truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Hope you missed us at least a little bit. But we're back in the saddle again here on the Steve Day Show, live and on demand, but not all that much in demand right here on the Blaze TV radio podcast network. I'm Steve Days. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. If you'd like to join us today, 888-933-93, 888-933-93. We may get updates later today on what we did on our not quite summer vacations. You can also let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. You can email us there, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E for those of you listening today on uh, podcast or radio. And if you are listening today on podcast, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice, we would be grateful and are grateful for all of you that have done that for us already. You can also like us on Facebook, but they don't like us, so you need to like us there a lot. And you can follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, will be joining us at the bottom of the hour to take us inside politics. We've got buy, sell, or hold coming your way a little bit later on as well. But, you know, after a long five-day weekend, we are back here, and we're back here to drop some bombs, uh, some truth bombs. Uh, And that's one of the reasons why we like working with our friends at Swiss America. They're about dropping truth bombs as well. And you already know that uh, several of us here at uh, The Blaze, I would be counted among them, are skeptical of uh, modern banking and our so-called fiat money system. But did you know that big government and big banks are now waging a new worldwide war against cash itself? And we're systematically, easy for me to say after five days, I'm not talking, uh, being pushed into a cashless system society, whether we like it or not. For example, uh, banks have to spy on you on behalf of the government. They have to report to the feds anything that they deem to be questionable, shady, etc. That's why they've issued this new special report at Swiss America entitled The Secret War. It explains why the government wants every financial transaction to be taxable, trackable, and blockable. The report is yours, free, if you call them today at 800-289-2646, right? You've heard us quote Chesterton many times on this show. That's the pop-bellied figure over there on the shelf, by the way. Uh, He, one of his most famous lines, when the government removes the God, the government becomes the God, right? And there is perhaps nothing more powerful a government could hold sway over you and I than what we do with the money we've earned. That's why you want to get this report, The Secret War, 800-289-2646. That's the number, 800-289-2646, or just visit them online. They'll give it to you free there as well at SwissAmerica.com. That's SwissAmerica.com. And now, here's Aaron with what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Robert Mueller can actually talk. Let me say a word about the report. The report has two parts, addressing the two main issues we were asked to investigate. The first volume of the report details numerous efforts emanating from Russia to influence the election. This volume includes a discussion of the Trump campaign's response to this activity, as well as our conclusion that there was insufficient evidence to charge a broader conspiracy. The order appointing me special counsel authorized us to investigate actions that could obstruct the investigation. And we conducted that investigation and we kept the office of the acting attorney general 
apprised of the progress of our work. And as set forth in the report, after that investigation, if we had had confidence that the president clearly did not commit a crime, we would have said so. At one point in time, I requested that certain portions of the report be released. The attorney general preferred to make, that in, preferred to make the entire report public all at once. And we appreciate that the attorney general made the report largely public. And I certainly do not question the attorney general's good faith in that decision. Now, I hope and expect this to be the only time that I will speak to you in this manner. I am making that decision myself. No one has told me whether I can or should testify or speak further about this matter. There has been discussion about an appearance before Congress. Any testimony from this office would not go beyond our report. And I will close by reiterating the central allegation of our indictments that there were multiple systematic efforts to interfere in our election. And that allegation deserves the attention of every American. Mueller made those comments and others just this morning. Moving on. Kim Jong-un made a statement that Joe Biden is a low IQ individual. He probably is, based on his record. Uh, I think I agree with him on that. Anyone associated with the 1994 crime bill will not have a chance of being elected. In particular, African Americans will not be able to vote for you. I, on the other hand, was responsible for the criminal justice reform, which had tremendous support and helped fix the bad 1994 bill. I was actually sticking up for sleepy Joe Biden while on foreign soil. Kim Jong-un called him a low IQ idiot and many other things, whereas I related the quote of Chairman Kim as a much softer, low IQ individual. Who could possibly be upset with that? An update on foreign propaganda. We'll start with the New York Times, whose reporter Ian Bremer completely made up a Trump quote and passed it off as fact. It was picked up by numerous other left-wing journalists and even retweeted by Congressman Ted Lieu before Bremer said, just kidding. The rest of the media lost their collective poop over the weekend after Donald Trump retweeted a doctored or fake or selectively edited video of Nancy Pelosi, which was slowed down to make it sound like she was slurring her words. Coming up, the feud between President Trump and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi reaches new territory after the president retweeted a doctored video that portrayed Pelosi falsely stumbling over her words. We're going to show you the video and the technology behind it and later. This church turns heads with its political street signs. The messages slam white supremacy, back transgender rights, and urge tolerance towards Muslims. Our transgender siblings have heartbeats. Hey boomers, no more grandkids until you vote better. The last remaining planned Butcher Hood location in Missouri plans to shut down this week. Per reports, that would be the last dedicated abortion clinic in the state. This comes after Missouri Governor Mike Parson signed a bill banning abortions after eight weeks of pregnancy just last week. Harriet Tubman deserves to be on the $20 bill and white supremacy. The Supreme Court upheld an Indiana law which required aborted babies to be buried or cremated. However, the court refused to hear an appeal after a judge blocked part of the law, which makes it illegal for abortion abortion providers to abort babies solely on the basis of the child's race, sex, genetic disability, or any quote-unquote unwanted characteristics. Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg said in her dissent, quote, a woman who exercises her constitutionally protected right to terminate a pregnancy is not a mother. Justice Clarence Thomas, meanwhile, wrote at length about how this type of ruling leads down a slippery slope towards eugenics. Of course he's right, but aren't we already kind of there? Jesus wasn't neutral. He sided with the poor, sick, and immigrant. Be like Jesus. An update on the race for the White House. Why should another white guy 
be president. Well, a white guy who doesn't see other identities or understand other experiences should not be president. I do. Uh, and, you know, where there would be gaps in my knowledge or my experience, I will pass the mic to people, uh, you know, who do have that experience. Joe Biden had a town hall. <laughs> okay. Cory Booker says if he's elected, he'll set up a White House Office of Reproductive Freedom. Moving on, British Prime Minister Theresa May says she's stepping down from her post at the beginning of June. CBS has a new special out on periods. I mean, to be totally honest, I'm sure I'm not the first person to say this, but like if men had their periods, it would be like f***ing celebrated. You know, it would be like a holiday. They would get the week off of work and probably the week before and then like the four days after their period ends so that they could recover. I, it would just be a different, it would just be a different, <laughs> different experience. New study from the United Nations. Yes, the United Nations claims that female voiced digital assistants like Siri and Alexa encourage sexism, gender bias and sexual harassment. The Quran. God is the most merciful and compassionate. We agree. Twitter permanently banned left-wing activist brothers Ed and Brian Krasenstein for operating fake accounts and paying to artificially increase their Twitter audience. A new study from the NCAA shows that football is the fourth leading cause of men's head injuries before athletes even get into college. That's behind soccer and wrestling. The New York Times basically reported that aliens exist. And finally, the worst opening pitch ever. And that's what happened while we were away. Well, while I was going down, while I was in the basement there, I missed some of that. Uh, Aaron's Montage brought to you by friends of real estate agents I trust. It was started a few years ago because uh, Glenn Beck and some of his friends were just as frustrated as the rest of us uh, by real estate agents who talked a good game but then didn't deliver the promised results when needed the most. And over the years, they figured out, you know, you're really looking for an agent that checks three boxes. Number one, someone with a track record of being successful, being a real estate agent. Uh, number two, uh, someone who understands that data matters, but you got to understand you don't spare the details either. You've got to look beyond the algorithms and find out where are the outliers. And then thirdly, people that are kind, courteous, return calls, easy to work with. This can be a really stressful process. So someone that you just don't mesh with makes it even more so. If you want an agent that has been vetted and checks all of those three boxes, then you want to go right now. If you're in the housing market one way or the other, or maybe you're going both ways right now, you're buying and selling at the same time, then you definitely want to go. I've done that before. You want some stress. That'll do it. Right, you definitely want to go to realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, gentlemen, we're going to spend pretty much this entire time on the statement that Bob Mueller gave this morning. Uh, each of the three of us have watched it in total. Um, we haven't, we, the statement and everything came out too late this morning, which is good because it also meant we didn't have time to sit by here and compare notes. So we're kind of going to discuss this with each other in real time. I put out an immediate comment on Twitter of what my big takeaway was, which I'll get to in a moment. But other than that, we really haven't had much time to sit here and discuss it amongst the three of us. So let's, let's go around the room since this is going to be the dominant story of the news cycle today is this statement. And, you know, I, I got home from the gym. I found out he was giving a statement. And so I had to alter my shower schedule so I could watch it in real time and then jump in the shower and get here. And the good thing is that meant I, I had no time to look at like anybody else's take on this. All right. So 
You know, I, there's already prepackaged narratives from each side of America's dueling political cults on what was and wasn't said today. But what, you know, we believe in self-government here on the Steve Day Show. So we've all watched this for ourselves. Now govern, Todd, what'd you say? From your employee, Robert, or former employee, now that he, today he's resigned, Robert Mueller. A couple things. Uh, the most obvious thing is how the status quo for both sides can and will be spun by this. I just instantly saw through that filter how easily and what specific things uh, both sides uh, will pick up on to go on with the exact same narrative uh, that we had existing before you crawled into the basement and, and uh, didn't come out. Uh, secondly, it, 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 I, regarding motive, I, I, I did see something about how um, ben Shapiro actually said this is a, a guy who came forward and just said, okay, everybody, you know, it's, you know, I wrote a report, go out and be grownups. I, I see some of that, I, I, but the language was clever and loose enough, a lot like the report itself, that I'm, I'm not so sure uh, that Robert Mueller is definitively telling uh, anybody uh, what to do. I, I can see him also trying to have it always or and and thus perhaps no ways uh at all so i just i don't see any uh smoking gun i think it's, it's informative for everybody to understand that no no uh, official charge could of in fact come out of this based on uh existing law and the fact that if he said he knew for sure that he was an innocent man he would have said he was an innocent man uh i think that's a fair statement the one thing i think he should have reminded of along with saying that we, we remember uh, this was about uh, uh, obvious interference in our election. Oh, okay, that that's utterly true. But whether you like Donald Trump or don't like Donald Trump, and I don't, I don't like Donald Trump particularly. But if you're going to charge that man with Russian collusion, uh, it needs to be understood uh, that he and anybody else, whether you like him or not have a right to fight uh, to clear their uh, good name. And I actually thought that was probably the most uh, glaring omission. While I can't go, we can't clear them of guilt, uh, everybody also needs to understand that exactly what the charges that were heaped upon him and how one will and can and should fight if they believe they are truly innocent. Aaron. I thought there was a purpose, purposeful uh, amount of ambiguity in the entire thing. I, I agree with Todd. That was kind of my first and main takeaway that um, definitive. There was there's nothing super definitive uh, with this in nothing new that changes the status quo at all. It seems like he's trying to have he it seemed like he was trying to have things uh, both ways throughout that. But it was striking to me. And I think he did this twice. I know at least once when when Todd just um, when Todd just alluded to it, but saying that if he were guilty, we or if he were innocent, we would have said so. Um, and he essentially didn't say the inverse of that, which right. kind of struck me as as uh, odd. Um, he did get into, and I, I regret not putting this in the montage. You know, flying by the seat of the pants here this morning, trying to get this together. But he goes into language about not being able to indict a sitting president and that that's how um that's 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 the department rules you know doj rules that's how they were uh, it, conducting this and um that that kind of i don't know he, he made an allusion as well you look at back on what he said he made an allusion to there's a specific constitutional uh process for indicting a president 
Uh, and we can't just come out and charge a, a sitting president. What he's talking about there, I mean, I don't know what you guys thought of that. What he's talking about there is impeachment. Um, at least that's that's so it seems. I don't know what other constitutional process uh, that would be uh, in reference to. But I just, I, I don't know. There was nothing super definitive about today other than he really doesn't want to uh, report in front of Congress. He doesn't want to talk as much as he did today. Uh, and he hopes to go back to private life. That's basically the main thing. A lot, a lot of ambiguity, and I want to be done with this. You know, something I've seen some of the president's most ardent supporters say um, when people like me overreact to the Kim Jong-un uh, slurping and all that other stuff is you, you have to, you know, you have to not take Trump so literally, okay? Meaning that you have to understand the way that he speaks, um, and I think that's a fair accommodation to a point. I don't think you remove that to the lack of any expectation of, of, um, uh, you know, what that office, the dignity that that office ought to command. I also think though that, you know, I, you know, dignity is not on the ballot. You know, you can get a, a dignified person who might, you know, suck at public policy, right? So I, I understand that 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 should be an accommodation. I've I've come I've made some peace with it in a Doctor Strange Love kind of way uh, over the last couple of years that we just don't have the typical dignified figure in the White House, and then each of us has to make up our own mind whether the policies we get matter more to us than that, and. Everybody gets to make up their own mind about that. That's why it's one man, one vote, right? Or one person, one vote. I, I think we need to apply maybe the same accommodation to Robert Mueller. Because I think that we have, and I think this is true of almost everybody on both sides, has been attempting to interpret him. And to some extent, I think both of you guys did this, but I don't fault you for it. And it was actually a realization I came to watching him in real time today. So it could be totally wrong what I'm about to say. I think we're interpreting him just as just as one of the reasons Trump runs people the wrong way is there is a pre-existing condition that you expect of the person who inhabits that office. Right? Like, like we all know how Lyndon Johnson used to talk on the phone when he was taking a dump in the in the in the in the bathroom off the West Wing, because we have all the tapes. But if we had heard that in real time while he was in office, we would have lost it as a country. You know what I'm trying to say? We, 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 we kind of know, but we don't want to know while you're in office. We don't want to see the sausage being made. We, we want the pomp and the circumstance. And with Trump, there's just none of that, for better or for worse. Some of it's good, you know? It, there's certain, you certain get a certain brutally uh, refreshing take from, a cert, from his point of view. And then there's other times you're like, yeah, let's slap a little more dignity on that, Okay. See, I, I think we are interpreting Robert Mueller and have been from the beginning through the lens of our current political environment. And I think you have to interpret Robert Mueller from, this is why when I ask people on this show, don't tell me what we think the left thinks. How many times have you heard me ask this mm -hmm. this year? What do you think they think when they say this? We have to interpret Robert Mueller through the lens he sees himself as. And Robert Mueller, for better or for worse, does not see if you don't survive you're not he's not you're not the longest tenured fbi director since the guy whose name is on the building and have been a part of multiple administrations ronald reagan's handpicked u.s attorney to obama's fbi director you don't you don't do all of those things and see your you may you may be a part of the system you may be the swamp but you don't see yourself as that you see yourself as be as above the partisan pettiness that you know prevails on a given day 
you see yourself as above, you know, whatever Lou Dobbs is doing and whatever the whole CNN lineup is doing every night. You see yourself as that's child's play. I'm above that. And I got the sense watching him today that that's a that's a man who wants that just went full Greta Garbo. I want to be alone. I'm out. That was a tap out. That was a signal to the Democrats in Congress calling me is of no use to you. I'm just going to walk up there and say, check the report. It's in the report. Check the report. I have nothing else to say. I'm not going to provide you your moment. Um, and I, I think, and I think the clue here is what he said at the very end. What he said at the very end. We said, and you know, I one more time. I want to. I want. We had a foreign government try to use our technology and social media to change the outcome of an election. All that's that's like totally lost in all of this. Totally lost in all of this is we had a hostile foreign government engage in a high stakes game of corporate espionage, essentially. And this has all been lost. That, and I think he reset it for that reason. Now, I don't, I'm not here to lionize him. I, I, I do think you have to look at a man's complete and total resume. And, you know, prior to this moment, you wouldn't have found almost anybody on the right critical of Robert Mueller. I mean, go Google Ted Cruz, Robert Mueller on YouTube. Go, go research that. Now, that's his former boss at the Department of Justice. You're going to hear Ted Cruz say the most glowing things about Bob Mueller. You know, but whether it's tapes of Martin Luther King Jr. 50 years after his assassination, we all eventually learn men have feet of clay, right? But I, I think he views himself, whether this is true or not, is totally up for debate. I think he views himself as, I was totally willing to come in here and put an end to the Trump presidency. And I'm still not even comfortable with the way his, he behaved in office, even though I found no evidence whatsoever that he engaged in the larger conspiracy. I'm not, I don't like the way he behaves in office. He violates all the norms I'm not comfortable with. It's clear in, his, in, in Mueller's mind he directed people to lie. Okay. But I also think he is conflicted here because the, the, he's, he's realizing the truth is unattainable. And most people wouldn't want it, even if it was. Most people just want their narrative. Most people just want to be told the person they voted for tiptoes between the raindrops and the person they didn't will occupy all by themselves the 12th ring of hell, just them and Judas Iscariot. That's what most people want to be told. And, and I think that's why he reiterated at the end. Like, I think the part where he thought the, the Attorney General Bill Barr, you know, can we finally put to bed the whole yes. uh, uh, Bill Barr bastardized his uh, report? He yep. had an opportunity to speak about that today and said that he thought the attorney general uh, operated in good faith. Yep. So we can put that. That's why I said it from the very beginning, you cannot convince me that so-and-so on Twitter, so-and-so with a radio show cares more about the integrity of the Mueller report than he does. If he, if he, he had a moment today to say Bill Barr bastardized me, and he didn't. And I don't believe any of your anonymous leaks or reports. In fact, I think most of those are honestly just made up. I mean, literally. I think they're whole cloth made up. I don't even think these sources exist in most cases. I don't. I don't. I think we're at that level of devolution as a people, particularly in the media culture. I think it's mostly just made up. And so I think this guy went into this thinking, I'm the adult in the room. I've always been the adult in the room. And I've got the resume to prove it. And this Trump character and all his nefarious associations, I'm going to probably end up bringing him down. And we're going to clean up all the foreign intrigue going on in our elections. And then he watched 
this thing, the BuzzFeed story and all these other scoops and and the ABC breaking news on a Friday. Uh, this indictment's coming and the stock market crashes 200 points in five minutes, which costs like $10 billion. And I think he watched all of this stuff and came into this thinking Trump broke the system and is walking away thinking this system is really broken. Trump's a terrible person in his mind probably still, but this system is terribly broken to the fact that the main point I tried to highlight here, Russia literally attempted a form of invasion of the United States of America. They, they tried a form of invasion, and it's like you can't even be bothered with that because it's essentially, uh, is Trump Cheeto Jesus or Orange Man bad? And I thought you watched a guy say today, you know what, dude? I did my tour of duty for king and country. I risked my life in Nam. nearly got my head blown off half a dozen times. I had death, I had death threats from the Gambino crime family and everything else. You know what? It reminds me of a story the late, great Ohio State coach Earl Bruce once told me about what he has where he was so fed up with the system, he just got up in the middle of the night one night and he just said, F them all. And I thought I saw a guy kind of do that today. Say, you know, I I tried to be the adult in the room. You're not interested in, pardon me, you're not interested in any adulting. Whether whether that's true, he's the adult in the room or not, it's totally open for debate. I'm I'm taking the view of where I think he thinks he, who he thinks he is. How much of this is BS? We can certainly argue that. But I think in his mind, he thought he was going to come in and clean this mess up and then realized, you don't want it cleaned up. You guys live here. So I'm going home. And, and I think the last chance the Democrats had to turn him into state's witness was, was ran out of time when NB, MSNBC accosted him and his wife in the car at that church. Yeah. And I think that was, that, that was the moment where he said, hell no, hell no. Because I think he fancies himself as a higher public servant. And I'm not getting dragged down into your pea soup. And so I think you just saw, and that's where I think the ambiguity comes from. I don't think he wants to give either side of this any particular thing to really hang their hat on. And I think you just watched a grown man today who faced, who faced the Viet Cong and the Gambino crime family, took a look at what happened to what's happened to our political environment, and just simply said, 5,000 G, I'm out. Poor one out. I think we all have a lot of overlap. I mean, you know, I've believed that for a long time that he was going to get into this thing and just realize how stupid everything just was. Uh, and I think you're right. That's where he is. I just think it, in order to make the point you say he's making, uh, if he felt not, that's so, the point I think he thinks he's making, yes. whether he's making that point yes. is okay. totally open for today. If you, if, but if you're right about that, okay. he should have done it much better, regardless of whether that's that. his style. That's or a not. separate conversation, but I do not disagree with that. Yeah, I don't. I don't disagree with that at all. Hey, do you have itchy ears, ear pain, or that plugged up feeling? We actually tried this at my house over the weekend on Noah. All right. So he borrowed his sister's earbuds and she brought them back. And she's like, dude, I cannot hear out of these because of your earwax. I finally looked at the wife. I said, all right, bust out the wax RX. And so we did it. That was one of the things on our bucket list uh, over the Memorial Day weekend. And we gave it a shot and it was only 15 minutes, you know, um, I mean, Noah's a guy, so he whines about every, Noah's, Noah, you know, he can break a leg, I'm fine, but the slightest inconvenience, it's a breakdown. Typical guy stuff, all right? But when it was over, he felt a lot better, felt great, all right? If you want to try this now with your kids, 
uh, or your grown man who's like a kid uh, at home but needs his ears cleaned as well. WaxRx uses physician-developed technology that safely and effectively removes earwax buildup and then soothes the ear with a pH condition formula. And now you can use it without a prescription. You can do this all in your home like they do at the doctor's office, but you do it yourself, all right, in the comfort and convenience of your own home. Try WaxRx risk-free today. All right, just go to the website, usewaxrx.com. That's the site. Usewaxrx.com and use the offer code radio at checkout for free shipping. All right, usewaxrx.com, offer code radio at checkout for free shipping. I want to reiterate, I am theorizing what I think he thinks, okay? Because I think at some point we have to, you have to take a guy with it who's had a pretty serious resume up to this point in his career. And treat him seriously rather than a straw man for both sides. And I think he, with his own actions, has played into that. Um, uh, he should have spoken out about all these erroneous leaks long before we got to the BuzzFeed issue. I mean, I, and that was why we basically just gave up on the story here on our show because he didn't do that. Right. So I, I, I'm attempting for us to see, I think it's really difficult. Empathy is, let me put it this way empathy is where persuasion happens. It's really difficult to win any battle, an argument or, any, or otherwise, without seeing who the other side of the argument believes they are. All right? Um, you turn people into straw men and, and, uh, and, you know, into constructs, and you won't end up winning an argument with them. So I want to reiterate, this is not necessarily my view of how he has behaved. It is my belief who he thinks he is. And I think it's important for us to at least have that conversation when trying to interpret his remarks. We'll find out what Daniel Horowitz thinks next. If you're one of millions of Americans right now living with what's called chronic pain, that's pain in the body from inflammation, and you've just decided, you know what, I've made my peace with it, there's nothing I can do about it, uh, maybe just hope to regulate it. I, I can't ever truly get any relief. Why don't you take a chance here? Uh, it only costs you 20 bucks, so a dollar a day for three weeks. Uh, to add your name to the list of several success stories we've had here at The Blaze, and I would add my name to the list as well, with a product called Relief Factor. It's 100% drug-free, even though it was created by physicians who can prescribe drugs. I mean, they, they were looking for a way uh, to stop having to prescribe uh, things that didn't heal the body, but regulated the inflammation. Instead, could they, could they come up with a formula, something that would help the body uh, do what nature and its creator intended it for it to do, which is to fight back against that inflammation in the body that's causing the chronic pain. And that's where they created Relief Factor and it's four key natural ingredients that will help your body win that battle against inflammation. And right now, like I just said, you can try for only 20 bucks, three weeks, a dollar a day. What do you got to lose for a dollar a day? Except maybe, finally, hopefully the pain. If you want to give this a shot, and I swear by it, I love this product. I use it regularly myself, all right? ReliefFactor.com is the website. That's all you got to do to go there and get the starter pack for three weeks, all right? ReliefFactor.com. All right, let's go inside politics with our good friend Daniel Horowitz here. Good to see you, my friend, our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation. How are you? We're doing all right in this era of Mueller. Well, and with the statement today, that's all anybody's talking about. And I think we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, take advantage of one of the best political minds I know, yours. People might have thought I was talking about myself there. 
when I was talking about you. Um, and at least gets you to pick, uh, uh, to give your thoughts on it as well. Let's For the, for the audience, let, and for your sake, let's kind of reset what each of us thinks from a 10,000 foot view. We gave more specifics to the audience before you came on. But Aaron, your 10,000 foot view of what you saw from, from Bob Mueller today. A lot of ambiguity, trying to have it both ways, basically. Todd? Uh, yeah, ditto. As we discussed, yeah. Okay. My, my big takeaway is I tried to look at this from who he thinks he is. You know, we, I often, a, you know, we often ask our people, guests on this show, I've asked you sometimes, the people we don't agree with, what do they think they're saying when they say these things, right? And I, I think Bob Mueller, and, I, and, and, and my clue in thinking this is that he reiterated at the end, hey, you guys may have missed the, you buried the lead here. Um, a foreign hostile government tried to change the outcome of an election. And like, you, nobody seems to care because this is all about, you know, Trump this or Trump one way or Trump the other. I think, I think you saw a guy who views himself as a, as kind of above it all and has a long resume going back to, you know, the rice patties and Nam of serving his country and views this, views him as above partisan pettiness and realized he couldn't get above it. And I thought you saw him tap out today. That's why I think he said, you know, I don't want to go testify. I've got nothing else to say other than what's in the report. So my view is that he views himself as a guy who came into this perfectly willing to nail Trump if needed be, but uh, really just disenchanted with how he has seen the whole thing become uh, sullied from there. For a counter view, I just read this during the break. All right. And uh, Fox News legal analyst Andrew Napolitano was just on uh, Fox with Fox business host Stuart Varney. Uh, and here are, here are his big takeaways, just to give a counter view. Um, he thinks Mueller made it clear that if the president could have been indicted un, uh, without the current Department of Justice uh, guidelines, uh, that Mueller would have absolutely indicted him. Uh, he thought to Mueller's message, and this is a quote, quote, that we had evidence that Trump committed a crime, but we couldn't charge him because he's the president of the United States, unquote. Uh, he also thought, quote, this statement is 180 degrees different from the four-page statement that Bill Barr issued uh, the first time he saw the report. So that counters my observation from last segment that uh, he said that he thought Bill Barr operated in good faith. Um, uh, when asked by Stuart Varney, is this bad? Napolitano says, quote, I think so. And he called this, quote, hurtful to the president, to Bill Barr, fodder for Democrats, quote, remarkably similar to the impeachment charges against Richard Nixon and Bill Clinton. All right. So that's a counter view from a former federal judge, Andrew Napolitano. So, Daniel, we turn the floor over to you now. Your thoughts. I think it has as much impact as the last five to seven Mueller headline days, which is zero. No, I mean, it really does. Now, there's two questions. You asked about Mueller personally, what he's trying to do. I think time will tell whether he is doing what you said or more what I suspect now, I, from what I, what I think he, I, let me rephrase, make sure I'm clear on this. I said what I think he thinks he's doing. That doesn't believe, that doesn't actually mean that I yeah. think he's doing that. I'm yeah, trying no, sure. to see him the way he sees himself. Okay. That's all. All right. My, my, my question is, is he going to go what, what Todd and, and Aaron were insinuating the Comey route? To have it both ways in so many different ways that you twist yourself into a pretzel um, where you just get lost and then you get burned and then you become a leftist. So I don't know if he's going to head in that direction or just wash his hands. And I think that'll be very verifiable. That will decide. You're right. If he goes away, then you know what? Then he then like then my observation of what he thinks he is is true. But if he does the go the Comey route, then that will reinforce what all of his detractors have said. I agree. Yeah. But 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 I think more more broadly. 
what everyone's missing is the point you mentioned. Andy McCarthy was saying from day one that this was not a criminal or should never have been a criminal investigation. It should have been a counterintelligence investigation. And that's what everyone's missing. Everyone's so involved in the soap opera of the presidential candidates and campaigns, Hillary Trump, they forget the fact that, like you said, we have problems with espionage from Russia. And as we learned yesterday, there's a major problem with Iran, which there might be Democrats involved in that. And, of course, the media is not interested to know that. Jordan Schachtel, our national security correspondent, reported on that at, at CR yesterday. So I think that's the big issue that everyone's forgetting here, that there is a problem here. We do have countries trying to undermine our sovereignty. Mexico, cartels, Iran, Russia, China. It's all true. So, I mean, we, we, we're we so into a criminal case that we missed the public policy case, which has bothered me all along. And, of course, the Mueller soap opera in itself stamps out any focus on any public policy to begin with. So I think, I mean, that's the story. But as far as what Napolitano is thinking, I mean, the polls have long showed people have soured on this. I mean, if Democrats had a move to make, I think that window has passed. I think you could say they've done damage to him, but I think whatever they would have gotten, they needed to do this a year ago. At this point, you're not going to convert more people, and if he loses the election, it will be on the damage that has already been done to him, not on any further statements that, that Mueller makes. All right, so my initial take is is was trying to figure out who Mueller believes he is. Because I think that gives us a better, more accurate representation of interpreting his remarks than um, I just I'm going to interpret everything through Orange Man Bad and Cheeto Jesus Saves. Okay, I, I, I just everything is through one of those two lens. Now I'm going to give an opinion of 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 what he actually did say. My big takeaway from what he said, and it kind of ties into what you just said a second ago, and, and we'll find out how he behaves from here, whether I'm right or not. My big takeaway is, is I thought that was one giant signal to the Democrats in the House. Don't call me to testify. You won't get the moment you want. If I didn't give you enough ammunition already to do what you want to do, that's a you problem. I'm done here. See you on the flip side. I thought that was kind of the big message that I thought he gave politically. Your thoughts on that? I thought the same thing about Comey initially, too. Yes, so- I, I, that, that's what I'm just saying. I agree 100%, as I just said. I just think time will tell. If he goes away from here, I think it's very clear. And, and that would be the smart thing to do. Why would anyone want to sully themselves in the politics of today? Why, why does he need that? What does he benefit from it? Um, it just makes no sense to me. So I think, I think the, the potential him going the Comey route, and the, that's a good description of what, how we were describing it last segment, essentially turning states' ev- evidence for Democrats. But I like the way you put it, going the Comey route, because it's kind of the same thing. And it's and it's in, in a way, I'm not sure how I feel about James Comey as an aside. I mean, on one hand, he's one of the major reasons Donald Trump is president today. <laughs> on the other <laughs> hand, he is milking the very people he screwed over in the last election for all they're worth at the exact same time. I don't know. There might be more. <laughs> there might be more gangster to that guy than maybe we think with his pretentious Twitter and Instagram post. But um, I think whatever hopes that there were that he was going to go down that road, ended the Sunday morning. MSNBC sent a camera crew to his church and followed him and his wife to their car. And there's four men here on this stage today, counting you on the screen. Three of us are married, okay? How long have you been married, Daniel? Ten and a half years. All of us have been married now more than 10 years then, right? 
Okay. So we have a lot of experience here. And I don't care what your belief system is. I don't care what your language you speak. I don't care what religion you are, although there, well, there are some religions where this wouldn't play, right? You know, like certain aspects of Islam and stuff, for example. But in general, the dude code understands that when the wife says, oh, hell no, you better act, right? I mean, you, you got to lay down the law. Stuff needs to happen. And I, I really think they hurt themselves when they went mobocracy. Let me do a, a junior ver a JV version of Jim Acosta and follow him to his car. And he's trying to get out of church with his wife. We've all been in these situations to some degree. Can we only imagine what the conversation was on the drive home once he closed the door and it was just him and her alone? The things that she probably said, the feet that she probably put down. And I think they really hurt their ability to turn him in to a far more powerful version of the next James Comey with those tactics. I think that's another reason he's, he's, he's essentially saying today, yeah, poor went out, 5,000 G. What do you think, Daniel? Steve, remember, he was brought out of retirement. Mm -hmm. So unlike Comey, who was active at the time, he was brought out of retirement, and I don't think he ever envisioned getting involved again, which means that his wife planned their life accordingly. I can't tell you how many times when I would work on recruiting candidates, I would make sure I met with the wife. I would make sure they were fully behind it because if they were not fully – well, two things. A, I have to know if the wife was a liberal mm -hmm. because so many of the Republicans that go south yep. on you – if their wives are liberals, that, but then number I, I've two, seen that myself. You're right. Yes. Yeah. So that's just politically. But also, number two, I had to make sure that they were into it. A lot of them and rightfully so just didn't want to be a part of it. And it and I told them it just wasn't going to work if they weren't invested 100 percent. I understood if they if they hated it. But if they hate politics, it just doesn't work. They have to be engaged, especially in this in this era. So I think a lot of times we often view politicians or public figures as chess pieces on a board. Well, mm -hmm. they're going to do this, they're going to do that. We often just forget the rote um, aspects of their regular life, and it does play a big role. And I think you're right. There's a lot more evidence with Mueller um, circumstantially as opposed to Comey why he would just walk away from this. So in my view, if we're, if we're going to look at this now, not on the merits, but strictly politically now, which often means you know, merits have to be removed. Um, but as, if we're going to look at it through a strict political lens, I think we're back to where we were in January when Trump signed this shoddy budget deal and took any real domestic policy fight off the table for eight months. And you and I sat on this show and warned the audience for the majority of this year, not knowing that Mueller was going to come out with a report in two months that, that said there was no Russian collusion, not even knowing that was going to happen. But you and I said at the time, what's going to happen is there's nothing else to talk about. Democrats cannot govern. They're too far left. It hurts them every time they talk issues. Republicans won't govern. They don't agree with their base on most of the ways to actually proceed with governance. And so all we're left now is with a personality contest that both sides want. Trump likes it when it's about him. The media and the left, but I repeat myself, they like it when it's about him as well. And they'll just continue going back and forth on collusion, who did what, who said what, who slept with whom, in order to create clickbait content for their respective media enclaves. And and that's what life will be for the next eight months. And I, I just think that's exactly where we remain. Your thoughts? Well, well, Steve, I would have thought in back in February when they passed this bill that had the border gotten as bad as it is today, then that would have rejuvenated the conversation, but I was wrong. Um, 
the bar is so low to make Mueller the top news. I mean, just look at the head of Drudge today. And Drudge was covering the border for a while. There's nothing on the border. You know, I just ta- spoke to an agent, and he said that what they're dealing with in southeast Texas at this point is that – so the Gulf cartel and the Noreste cartel, the leftovers of the Zetas, every time they get into a fight in a certain area on the border, the losing faction comes north. Right, because they can't go anywhere in Mexico, they're going to get killed. So we're getting the leftovers of the cartels coming over. Um, this guy served in Afghanistan and Iraq before becoming a border patrol agent, and he said it is literally like Afghanistan and Iraq in so many ways. Jeez. Notwithstanding the culture of some of what we have on our side of the border, that let's just say supports the cartels, just like the insurgency, and that's the word he used. He said we have an insurgency at our border. We have an insurgency at our border. To me, it is – the, the president has three things. He has a veto pen. He has a bully pulpit, and he has executive actions, getting rid of DACA, an 1182F shutoff of immigration, deploying the military against the cartels and designating them as terror groups, all things he can do executively. Message that. Give a speech every week updating people on the border. It, it is inconceivable to me that if the American people knew about what was going on, that it wouldn't change the course of politics in America. But alas, Steve, we just cannot have good things. I've got only a minute here. You and I both agree there's a percentage of white suburban voters that are going to determine whether he's ousted or wins a larger victory than analysts expect next year. And a good portion of those white suburban voters are white suburban women, right? You and I both agree with that? That's the decisive demo in the next election. How many of them do you think are moved to overlook the things about Trump they don't like with the message of... You know, uh, three strikes and you're out for violent felonies and is, is too is too harsh, and we should let more criminals out. How many white suburban women do you think moved out to the suburbs so that they would be nearer to more criminals being let out of prison? So two things. Number one, back in the day when that passed, we we're talking about largely marijuana. Now these are the very and it was largely urban people that got killed. Now it's a lot of like New Hampshire moms that are losing sons to heroin. Um, laced with fentanyl. So that's number one. Number two, I live in Baltimore County, Maryland. Now, let me just tell you that a Democrat could be caught with a dead body in their trunk and still they can't lose. It's impossible to lose. Yet still, when they come doing come door knocking in this area, we're going to hold the line of crime. crime. Yeah. Yeah. They will yep. never run on that. Yep. So I, I just, you know. I don't understand his messaging I, there. In fact, I'm going to explain why I don't next segment so the audience gets why i think that's terrible hey good to see you daniel thank you very much uh if you watched a recent episode of 60 minutes uh and if you own a home home i hope uh, you own your own home i hope you were paying attention the fbi's former head of cyber crimes was on there warning homeowners that foreign and domestic thieves can steal your home and they can do it all online because home titles and mortgages are kept in databases online that can be hacked if you've got equity in your home that's what the thieves are really after Here's how they get to it. They simply forge their name onto your home's title, use use your home's equity as collateral to borrow cash, and then they stick you with the payments. And no bank or identity theft protection program can protect you. But for pennies a day, Home Title Lock will. Uh, they will mobilize to shut anything down if they detect thieves tampering with the most valuable asset an investment most Americans will ever have or own their own home. Who knows? You may already be a victim. Here's how you can find out for free. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register for a free title scan and report. That's a $100 value at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com.
Daniel.com. Quick thought on anything from Daniel, Todd? It really struck me when Daniel said, I thought, talking about the border, and I thought movement would happen, and it didn't. That That's how I feel about this and almost all things these days. We are just entrenched. I mean, Jimmy Carter was ahead of his time in one way. Uh, when he talked about malaise, he just didn't have his moment talked about, but right now, we are neck deep in it. Do you have any quick thoughts here? It's, we deserve what's coming to us, basically. Yeah. Um, that, that, is, that is, I think, the undeniable truth about anything. Because when there is an insurgency, literally an insurgency, when you're making comparisons to basically Fallujah, that's basically what I heard. He didn't. When you're making comparisons to our southern border and Fallujah, uh, something is amiss when our attention is on a, uh, an 80, an, uh, you know, a bureaucrat octogenarian in the swamp this morning. I'm sorry. We deserve what's coming to us. All right. I, I, I dropped a little uh, hint there. We're going to do buy, sell, or hold next hour. But the president's messaging, if you want, and this is, if you want him to win, the message of the 1994 crime bill was bad. Won't do that. Okay. And, you know, that, that may be what uh, the Koch brothers and Javanka want him to say. All right. Um, but that's terrible messaging. I will explain why and debunk any attempt that you will make to claim 4D chess when we return. We're back with hour two live and on demand here on the blaze. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Restricting things like free speech is because you're trying to restrict the truth. And we've seen the left crossing the line in this regard. We're seeing corporations openly doing it. Now there's a Gillette commercial where a, a dad is teaching his daughter to shave because she's a... I, I, he, what? He's a, yeah, I don't... Yep. All right. How was that not in my montage? I'm sorry, go on. And the reason we point these things out is because nowadays pricing of products is so competitive, which is good. That, that's how the market's supposed to work. But the pricing of products in various endeavors is so competitive that really the only difference a lot of times is what these companies will do with your money once you spend it with them. That's especially true when it comes to your mobile phone. It's almost impossible to live without one in the year 2019. Uh, they almost all have the same network. In fact, I think Sprint and T-Mobile uh, are, are getting ready to, or attempting a partnership or a merger now. So really, again, the only difference is once you go to, with that company and spend your money with them, what will they do with that money after you spend it? Where will they spend it? That's where Patriot Mobile comes in. Veteran-led, America's only conservative cell phone company. Uh, every phone call you have will go to uh, the protection of your freedoms, all right? Every bill you pay uh, to the values that uh, you support. Uh, so this time, how about a company that spends money to support things like PragerU, Alliance Defending Freedom, uh, and other great organizations. And with plans starting as low as $25 a month, why wait? Call 1-800-A-PATRIOT. Use the code BLAZE when you call in. 
and they will waive your activation fee at 1-800-PATRIOT, promo code BLAZE. Or as you can see there just on the screen, uh, go to patriotmobile.com slash blaze, and they'll do it for you there as well. Patriotmobile.com slash blaze. Well, we're back after a a five-day, not-quite-summer vacation vacation. Todd, what'd you guys do? Soccer. Should I go on? 3-0, and baby. Going to the Final Four State Cup. The uh, most dangerous sport, if you're trying to avoid your kid getting concussions, we learned, by the way. That is actual true yeah. news. Yeah, it is true news. That's the, that's the actual data. But yeah. it doesn't represent a masculine-driven meritocracy, so there's no attempt to claim it's dangerous and say that it has to be banned and people can't play it anymore like there is with football, which, by the way, as Aaron pointed out in his montage, was fourth on the list. Fourth. Despite all the hysteria. Fourth. Now, again, because we're not capable of thinking as adults in these days and multiple things at once, that doesn't mean I don't think we should make the game as safe as we possibly can. Like, you haven't heard me come on here and say, it's the end of manhood if we ban the kickoff. Have I ever said that? You said we should play with leather helmets on a regular basis. That's his job to undercut me like that. You're supposed to be honest. I expect him to be the hardened cynic over there. Like, I don't mind if if we've decided, hey, the kickoff is where the most injuries take place. Well, given how little is accomplished percentage-wise in a kickoff, and if that's the most dangerous play, I don't have a problem getting rid of it. I don't have a problem with you know the most advanced equipment, everything we can do to make it as safe as we can. All right? I'm not saying football isn't dangerous. What I am saying, though, this idea that if we don't get rid of it, the next generation will all be born brain dead that plays it is, is ridiculous. And it is posited by people who hate masculine-driven meritocracies. That's, that's what their real issue with football is. It's not player safety, because if they cared about safety, they wouldn't say, hey, why don't we take women who, you know, even in the military can't do as many push-ups as the average 30-year-old man sitting at home right now on a couch and put them on the front lines to be raped and disemboweled by the enemy, you know, because of safety. It's not about safety. All right. End of rant. Aaron, uh, what did you do? What, did I you thought, want to add to that? Oh, I just thought you would have a much different opinion. And after hearing that uh, one B-list actress talking about what would happen if men had periods, I thought that would soften you a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I, okay. I mean, I, I, I was born to a 15-year-old mom. I've had three women living in my home for well over a decade. I'm quite familiar with periods. I know. I love that when okay. people come to me like, with the, <laughs> the, mean, you can't talk, you're a dude. Yeah. My dog is even a girl. I am surrounded <laughs> by women. <laughs> Aaron, what'd you do over the weekend? I climbed the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Scoreboard there, sorry. <laughs> kind of buried the lead on this one, too. Should have gone to him last. Did I say soccer? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, tell me more about your soccer endeavors. <laughs> so how was the Grand Canyon? How was it? Oh, it's beautiful. Man, it is beautiful. Part of me. You almost uh, died there, I heard. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, simultaneously, the Southwest, it's like, I want to live there, and I don't know why anybody would live there. It's, it's a really weird feeling, because... Uh, it is, it's just a beautiful part of the world. Um, but yeah, yeah. I was going down the bright angel. Tr- I hiked 13 and a, uh, 13 miles. Wow. Um, throughout the, the, the park. And my goal was to do the rim to river to rim thing. But by the time I got to Albuquerque and I was just like walking around, I was like <gasps> catching my breath, you know, at 6,000 feet above yeah. sea level in Albuquerque. So like, I don't think that's a good idea doing the rim to river to that would have been 16 miles. I did 13 miles. I could have done it. I'm in a lot better shape, I think, than what I thought. But yeah, I was going down the Bright Angel Trail. You're supposed to go down single file, and these idiots were taking up both sides of the trail. Oh, no. And I was, I was trying to pass them to the outside, and I was making myself known, and I finally said, excuse me. 
and one guy, and the one guy who was on, you know, the side of the trail that I was trying to get to, to pass, you know, like you're just passing in a car, he stepped to the inside, and I thought he was letting me pass, and this is right on one of those switch, steep switchbacks, because these, these trails, especially at the very top, they just go right down the, the cliff side, basically, the canyon side, the canyon face, and, um, and he went to the inside, and so I started passing him, and then he just, like, stepped right into me. And I, you know, fell down. I was going, you know, I was, I was already headed down the trail, so I fell down. And the girls he was with started screaming because they thought I was a goner. And I got up and I said, "Geez," and I just kept going. I think they were, they were expecting me to be dead. I think. You should have got up and said that I killed a lesser man. <laughs> yeah. And then walked away. Yeah. I like that though. Nice. Um, we. Uh, What'd you do, Steve? We and uh, we did spring cleaning, and we did a, a level. Cause you've got, you know me, I've got some Danny Tanner in me. Um, so we did a level a day for the first three days and <laughs> I love this story so much. It, it, we just started. It's so we did spring cleaning, but then I made sure, you know, we, we, that's why we only did a level a day. So we took a few hours every day and then I made sure we did something fun. We went out for pizza or a movie or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, every one of those nights. Okay. Viewing number three of, uh, yep. of Avengers. I, I saw, saw that. I, I saw the viewing number three of Endgame yesterday. I saw the new Aladdin movie. Um, and I saw Brightburn, uh, which unintentionally opens up a whole worldview can of worms. I wrote about that in our Facebook wall. Um, Hung out, did first, first, uh, you know, did some family stuff. The first rounds of college football mags are out. So, you know, I'm pretty excited about that, you know, so kind of just relaxed and did the staycation thing. It went by really fast, actually, even though I didn't seem like I did all that much, except for, you know, we did hours and hours of housework. But the rest of the time, I probably played like <sighs> maybe 30 games of my MLB The Show season because every year I play the full 162 game schedule for the Detroit Tigers. Yeah, you had some catching up to do. I did. I've been kind of busy lately. So it was really nice. It was relaxing, man. Did you give the kids a good speech about what Americans died for right before they like clean the toilet or anything like that? <laughs> no, so? you know, I, I mean, we don't have to. They, you know, their grandfather, they see him all the time, you know, and he's 101st Airborne. And their mom was born, you know, uh, in Nuremberg, West Germany mm -hmm. on America's, in the American Army base there at the time and went to Fort Campbell, Kentucky High School. So, our kids are kind of well steeped in that stuff where that stuff is concerned. And what sticks out? Because I want to. I haven't seen Avengers a second time yet, and I'm always fascinated what you what you glean from it that second viewing when the pace slows down a little bit for you. So now you've seen it third times. What's the? You said it was still great. So, but what sticks out to you with the repeated viewing that didn't necessarily hit you the first time? I don't think anything sticks out the first time from the first time as much as it's reinforced. And the conversation Noah and I had going home last night was both of us are pretty confident they're going to ruin this going forward from here. And we were like, but they, this was the perfect end. It was a fitting end. We even stayed to the credits. We hadn't done that yet. And he asked, he wanted to stay through the credits this time. Um, Cause I, and, and he had heard they, and I didn't realize this. There's, they do a, of a, a, a home, an homage to all of the actors. Oh, really? Yeah, they're, they're and you you see like their very first scene in the MCU, and their their signatures come on, and they're all honored, and it's really kind of cool. You know, they go back the whole ten years, and you and like I mean everybody, Redford to Scarlett Johansson, anybody who's played a major character or any kind of singular or reoccurring role is hmm. is is given the honor, and it's really kind of cool and well done, and um, it just you know. 
it, it's, 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 I've compared it a lot to the end of Lord of the Rings. And you just want to live with, in that world with those characters again at the end, but you're satisfied with how it ends at the same time. You know what I mean? And so, um, if they decide to SJW ruin it from here, and I'm, I'm fairly confident on some level they will attempt it, Disney may mitigate it somewhat because Disney still likes to make a lot of money. You know, but in the end, that's their decision. I'm grateful they gave us the 10 years that they gave us. And it's, and it's still a satisfying end. And, and it, it has done something now only Star Trek II has ever been able to do. All my life, what now, 35 years later, now, 37 years later, that movie came out in 1982. All my life, I, every time I've watched Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, and I have watched that movie a lot, I don't, I can't get out of Spock's death scene without choking up. And now the same thing with, with Tony Stark at the end of Endgame. All three times I've seen it. The first time I didn't know it was coming, the next two, obviously I did. Got me both times anyway. So that's the mark of good storytelling and making and getting you emotionally invested in those characters. And uh, yeah, we had a, we had fun. Cool, good weekend. So I saw something. I I didn't, you know, if you were on our Facebook page or you follow me on social media, I really didn't say much uh, about what was going on over the last few days until yesterday. And how do I put this? If you don't want Joe Biden to be the next president of the United States, then you're coming at this from the same perspective I am. It has never worked. Never is a strong word, but it has never worked for Republicans to attack Democrats from the left. It's never worked and it never will. Well, Steve, it's Trump. It's different. It's not different. We spent all last year pointing out to you Trump hasn't changed things. The fundamentals have not changed. We went through, we pointed this out with all the data. We watched the midterm election results. Things haven't changed. Norms have been changed. Okay. And what is that? What's the difference? Let me, can I use a football analogy? In fact, it's baseball season. Let me use a baseball analogy. All right. You know, we didn't have the opener like your brewers made popular last year. And, you know, the, the idea that you would open a game and pitch one inning to start a, se- a game and then go to the bullpen after that. Right. Those totally violate the norms of what we're used to seeing in baseball. Okay. Is it still three strikes and you're out? Correct. Is it still four balls and you're walked? Correct. Is it still uh, nine innings to a game unless there's a rain, a rain shortened game? Right. Correct. Okay. I mean, home team gets the last at bat. Yeah. Any of the fundamentals have changed? No. No fundamentals have changed. Only the norms have changed. Norms and fundamentals aren't the same thing. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's wrong to violate the norm. Sometimes norms suck and should be violated. You know, norms should be, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't conserve norms because that's the way we've always done things. You know, most of the time when you're, you get rid of the norms, when they, when they seek to undo your fundamentals, meaning when you're, when you're altering norms for the, for the sake of undoing your fundamentals, like what's, what's a person, what's a bathroom, what's a, what's a, who's yeah. an innie and who's an Audi. Okay. What if your norms suck? Yeah. If your norms suck, get rid of them. But norms aren't the same as fundamentals, right? The fundamentals of politics have not changed. Trump hasn't changed any of these fundamentals. He's just violated a lot of norms, often to his advantage. You may find that offensive. You may be cheering it on. Again, 
But that, that's a different argument than the fundamentals haven't changed. And the fundamentals make it clear. Republicans attacking Democrats from the left never works. It never works, and it never will. And the reason it never will, go back to rules for patriots. Whoever establishes the premise of the conversation wins every single time. Whoever's premise is debated wins. Go back to the midterm elections. When we Remember how I thought it was insane Republicans wanted to debate health care? Bad argument. You, who wins the health care argument just by having it? Democrats. You want to win the argument Obamacare is bad. You want that argument. But if the argument is on health care, that's the premise of their argument. Okay? That's why they don't want to debate gun control anymore. That's a bad premise. They lose that argument. So now it has to be gun violence. They have to change the premise. One of the reasons the president shocked the prognosticators in 2016 is he is there was a notion that he was going to add, and I was one of these prognosticators he shocked, so I can speak from firsthand experience, what I did not think would happen. I, there, there was a notion that in order to get disenchanted whites who had voted for Obama twice to vote for him, he had crafted a message that turned off traditional Republican constituencies that he needed to win, like suburban voters, like Catholic voters. Republican doesn't win without winning Catholic voters. Hasn't never, it's not happened since Roe v. Wade, except for the, the Bush recount year, which is an outlier. When we got to election day, what we saw was he did, he underperformed Romney among suburban voters slightly, but not nearly to the extent that people thought. Way overperformed among Catholic voters compared to what all of the polls showed. The polls had him losing that vote. He won it by nine points. I mean, that's a massive miss in the polling. And he still got all of those three to and a half to six million, depending on which survey you look at, for whites in rural areas who voted for Obama twice to vote for him. So he held the traditional Republican coalition together while adding these new voters. And that's why he's president now. Because he also got help from Hillary Clinton, who was such an unpopular candidate. She depressed her own turnout. Going left on crime will hurt the president with that traditional Republican base. I've told you guys before, I watch old college football games in the offseason, and you can find them on YouTube with the actual commercials and stuff. There has been, I mean, it's a consistent message. We're the party, Republicans say, that are tough on crime. For the, pre for the president to say, you can't win if you voted for the 1994 crime bill, that was one of the few bipartisan bills that was actually good. Most bipartisan legislations are the worst because they're the worst of both worlds. But the idea that violent offenders, people who commit serious felonies, would be given three strikes and you're out. People move to the suburbs to get away from people like that, not to have them let out of prisons to infiltrate their neighborhoods. And no, this isn't four-dimensional chess. I can, having known the man I, and knowing some, many of the people around him, you know what I really think happened? I think he was literally watching cable news and watching other Democratic primary challengers hammer Joe Biden from the left on his past support of this and just reacted on Twitter. I, in fact, in fact, I'll bet, I'll bet. Name your price. I'll bet it. I concur. 
I, I, I'll, I'll guarantee that's what happened. And I, and I know from my own personal experience dealing with them, they have no strategy other than the president shoots from the hip and then they just all react to it. There's not a plan. Do I look like a man with a plan? There's no plan. There's just a reaction and then they react to rea his reaction. So I guarantee Dewey was just watching cable news, saw Joe Biden getting killed for supporting the crime bill and said, dude, I'm gonna watch me hit him from the left too. The problem is you can't, hurt your own constituency at the same time you do that. Because here's what will happen. What will happen is Joe Biden will disavow in the primary that he used to call the crime bill the Biden bill, win the primary, and then we'll get to the general and he'll act like he never said any of that and then go back and re-embrace the crime bill, attack Trump for being soft on crime and get to his right. If any of this sounds familiar, it's exactly what Barack Obama did to John McCain with the TARP. We need the government to take over all these banks, John McCain, Obama says. John McCain stops his candidacy for the TARP bailout because it's that important to the country. And then we get to the debates a few weeks later. That was the first week. The week of TARP was the first time John McCain took over the lead in the real clear politics polling average in that election cycle. Was that week? He suspended his campaign, and we get to the debates a few weeks later, and now Obama's attacking him from the right, saying it's way too much government to pay off everybody's bad home loan debt at the same time. Country can't afford that. Can't go into that much debt. And so first he got attacked from the left for being a heartless uh, you know, stool of the banks who hates people, and now he's getting attacked from the right for being for a bunch of government waste and fraud. It never works to attack Democrats from the left. Because there, and there's no 4D chess here because there's plenty of Republicans in Congress right now, sadly, who were in Congress 25 years ago in 1994 because we don't ever vote these fools out who all voted for this too. So is he literally saying, so all the Republicans that he needs to win next year, they're all racist for voting to put violent, this makes no sense. There's not a plan. It's terrible messaging. Get off of it. There's literally 9,000 ways to attack Joe Biden that you don't undermine your own message. Because here's the thing. The overriding claim Trump needs to make is you do, may not like me, but they hate you. And they're going to prove it to you if you give them power. Well, you can't make the argument to the country. Look how far left the Democrats have gone when you attack them from the left. So it's not smart. It's not brilliant. It's terrible. It's dumb. It has no precedent of winning. It cannot win. It violates the fundamentals of politics. All it does is undermine his own message. And I guarantee you, I, I guarantee you, it was totally reactionary. He just thought it would be funny to pile on because he saw it on cable news. Get off that message. They won't. Then they're going to help him. Yeah. They're going to help him. Because of why you were willing to bet. You are dead on about that. It's pure id, man. It's well, somebody who gets who has access to his id, point him somewhere else. And him, let me tell you how bad of a strategy I think this is. What's my number one beef with this administration? We all know what it is. What is it? Are we talking North Korea? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I can't. I can't. <laughs> I can't. I just can't. Okay. The North. I, the The North Korea thing. I. I want to. Head against desk every time it comes up. That's why I was so glad it came up again and I was on vacation. So then to come in here and kvetch about it, all right? At this point, I think this is such terrible strategy. If you told me, Steve, you have your choice. 
Trump's id on we attack, we, we go soft on crime or uh, Kim Jong-un's my dude, fire up the bromance. That's how bad of a strategy this is. That's how bad it is. It undermines the entire narrative of his administration. It undermines the entire narrative of his case for reelection. But other than that, though, I think it's got a chance. Okay. So if you know him, if you're around him or anybody in the White House, all right, get off of this. At this point in time, I mean, turning Kim Jong-un into a centerfold is, is a better strategy than staying in this message. This is a terrible, terrible idea. This is read my lips, no new tax is bad, okay? And then you raised it. Don't, don't, no. don't do this. Verboten, Can't, toxic waste dump, Chernobyl, walk away, walk away. Look at Kim Jong-un, fresh bull haircut right over there. A little bit of a tan in Pyongyang and the sun's out early this morning. Go chat up your new buddy over there in Pyongyang. All right, get off of this. That's how bad this is. Bad. It's bad. You realize you're still going to get emails after this that say you're just a Trump slurper. Still. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, because they come to me and not to you. That's what's great about it. <laughs> hey, do you have a stop lighting your kitchen table to let you know when you stop eating? Of course you don't, because that would be creepy. You know, like inviting Joe Biden, uh, you know, to you know, Babysit supervise your, your cheerleading tryouts, something like that, for example. Um, you do have a stoplight, though. That's I should have done that. I'm sorry. That's naturally present. No, I'm not. Uh, that's naturally present in your body, and it's called OEA. It sends a signal to your brain from the gut. Hey, we're full down here. You can stop eating. We're all good. Let's blow this thing and go home. All right. Unfortunately, for some of us, that signal's not as strong as it used to be, uh, and it needs to be, particularly as we get older. And that's where Riduzone comes in. It just wants to put the OEA back in your body. No caffeine, not a stimulant. All right. Natural stuff. That's we're big on promoting that whenever possible here uh, on the Steve Day Show. If you want to give this a shot, you can try it right now at Riduzone.com. Use my name as a promo code. When you do, they'll give you a special offer for signing up. All right. This might be the missing link. If you've been losing the battle of the bulge, riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, riduzone.com. Use my name as a promo code to get a special offer. All right, let's get to it. It is that time yet again, ladies and gentlemen, it is our weekly game. It's our weekly game of buy, sell, or hold. Um, Aaron has a series of statements that he will present. Uh, most of them probably come from the audience. That he's just plagiarizing you, basically, letting you do his work for him. Todd and I will decide, are we buying that? Are we selling that? Do we at least have a reason why? Hopefully we do at some point. Uh, and then once per episode, we are allowed, permitted to put on a hold. And if we do it for any other reason other than this is just so lame, we can't dignify it with an answer. The dude code calls for you to be mercilessly mocked and scorned, Aaron. We will start with... Constantinus Rhoditis. It is, uh, it, you know, it's the Steve Day Show, uh, ladies and gentlemen, which wouldn't be the same without a shout out to Constantinos. He says a constitutional amendment will pass in our lifetime to eliminate the Electoral College. They will also include in that amendment eliminating being a natural born citizen to be president just to prove how woke they are. Both parties will seek to nominate a dreamer in response. I'm going to sell. I, I, I think the likelihood of any con any additional amendments to the Constitution passing in our lifetime are slim to none, uh, no matter what the subject matter is. And I think slim is probably going back to the buffet line for seconds over there at the Golden Corral, all 
All right, because I got that fondue fountain thing today. All right, so I, I, I think the country's too balkanized. Coming up with any amendment to the Constitution that would pass through the restrictive formal process, given that balkanization, I think that is a needle that cannot be threaded. I do think it's possible, but we could just have a federal judge just decide. I don't yes. like the electoral college, and it's I'm gonna I'm it's gonna gone. I'm gonna Poof. put an injunction on the electoral college and snap the fingers. Half the editorial staff at National Review will tell us that's just stay in your lane. Yeah, and it's terrible what happened to the country that we're just not gonna do you know the country anymore. But what can we do? I mean, the judges have spoken, and so say we all. I think it'll, something will go down that way. But a, any formal constitutional amendment, I, I just think the odds of it, regardless of subject matter. I, I think are really, really low. I mean, lower than the odds attacking Democrats and the left on crime will work for Trump. That's how low. I don't know that I'm that skeptical overall because, you know, there's just moments that come along and capture, but regarding this specific instance, I'm selling as well. All right, moving on. Dueling Politics says the Atlanta Braves will have the NL Rookie of the Year two years in a row with Austin Riley taking the 2019 title. I'll defer to you on this one. Uh, I will sell because we're only a third of the way through the season and not two thirds. That You know, that rookie year, it can just have a lot of really, really high highs and low lows. So I, just, I think it's too early to not uh, go with the field. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, give us this proposition again, like in August. We start hitting those dog days. And um, and I think maybe where the Braves are in that divisional race may have something to do with some of that as well. So I think that's a good argument you just made. Uh, let's do one more here. Your tribalism sucks, says the drop in attendance at uh, Major League Baseball games has more to do with sterile gameplay and not a lack of attention span. Um, I, I think there's cost. I think that, all the games are on TV now. If you look at TV ratings, they're all, they're really good for the league. Attendance is chronically down, but the TV ratings are up. And I think you're seeing this, by the way, in a lot of sports, um, comprehensively. It's just, you, you get too good of a glance sitting in your own man cave watching it. Guys, I, I was at Walmart the other day, and there's a 70-inch major name brand HDTV there for 750 bucks. All right, I mean... Do you realize to take your family to a major league game, if you got a family of four or five or six and get good seats, you're going to spend about half of that with parking and concessions and everything else. You know, I think a lot of families are just kind of doing the math and thinking, man, I can spend 800 to a grand and get, you know, a balls out television set. I'll just do that, you know, and not have to share a urinal with y'all. I think it's more about that. Yeah, it is definitely about that. I don't, I don't, it's not, um, the sterile, uh, experience. I mean, they, the, going to a baseball game. I mean, with the weather and everything like that, it, it's still a fantastic experience. And what you can see, it's a, if, th- that's a different consumer experience than than football uh, uh, per se. But I, th- there, there's a lot of things involved, and it, it's not necessarily about the quality uh, of the game. Right, we'll come back more of your buy, sell, or hold propositions and more when we return here in a moment, live and on demand on the Blaze. Stay tuned. So we are pretty aware nowadays of 
the left's attempt to import socialism to America. But what you may not know is we're fighting that battle on one front right now with the Trump administration, actually, the Department of Health and Human Services. And their secretary, Alex Azar, is helping that cause by trying to let foreign countries dictate the prices of our medicine. Doing this will lead to shortages of vital medicines and set medical research back decades, making it harder for researchers to find cures for horrible diseases, treatments for things like diabetes, Alzheimer's, maybe even cancer. Uh, there's nothing America first about letting foreign countries dictate our health care. If you agree, uh, FreedomWorks is attempting to stand up for your freedom in this area and get the attention of the administration, particularly Secretary Azar, and tell him, hey, fix patients, not prices. Make no mistake about it. Tying the prices of our medicine to other countries doesn't put Americans first. If you agree, lend your voice to theirs uh, to help energize this cause and give them a higher likelihood of being successful. Just go to freedomworks.org, freedomworks, all one word, freedomworks.org slash DACE, my last name, D-E-A-C-E, freedomworks.org slash DACE, lend your voice to their cause because their cause is, uh, it's all of our cause right now, freedomworks.org slash days let's get back to buy seller hold aaron all right uh, this next one is from blake johnson who says netflix will be out of business in the next five years this is kind of difficult because they do produce some good original programming which is really what they're going to have to make their money off of um, but i'm going to sell right now i think they're good enough at that and that draws enough people stranger things it comes to the top of the mind i know uh, ozark is a huge show they have enough original program that draws a programming that draws people in uh that they can still i think stay around i'm the least tech out of us three is the premise being that because of the individual streaming like disney or disney, whatever I, was that i would i would assume so i don't i i'm gonna sell i I think there's a lot of people who love the tech, but most people just want things to work and they don't want to have a million different subscriptions for a different, it's, I think they're going to really start to turn people off and realize that there's a, there's a marketplace for sent more centralized, a, a hub. And I, I mean, I'm, I may not ultimately the people who want that may have no say in the matter. I don't know. I just seem this seems am I are you hearing what I'm laying down anyways about like how it's how mm -hmm. many subscriptions are we gonna yeah. have to Ten have? Ten bucks for this, five bucks yes. for that. Yeah. Yeah. So um I I think sell is probably the right answer, but just for fun, let me play the other end and, and buy. Because I could foresee a scenario where it could happen despite they just reported some very strong subscription numbers, but they're self-reporting these numbers. There, there is no uh, external metric on what their actual numbers are. Netflix report self Netflix self reports its own numbers. Nothing. There's no Nielsen's or anything like that, that track that, you know, and we've talked about that in the context of what we do here on the blaze is you, the benefit of the freedom of being online for now. Um, uh, you know, comes with a trade-off. And the trade-off is, you know, you, certain ra radio advertisers, you're never, was it Ford that ran the ad on Rush Limbaugh show years ago saying we, ne we didn't take the TARP money? I think it was Ford or General Motors. They're never doing that again. No matter how many millions of listeners Rush has, it's just what we do in our, in our industry is considered 
toxic to major media advertisers. So legacy companies are never buying ads in places like that ever again. That's one of the reasons why a lot of this has moved online and we just come and, and as best we can directly to you as the consumer. Uh, but the, the trade-off for that is though, we are largely at, since most of you acquire what we do, not directly from us or from the Daily Wire or from, um, you know, who else does this? Uh, Dana Lash does it with the NRA. You don't, you directly access this not from us as much as iTunes, so Apple, Stitcher, um, which is Google, right? Um, and then Facebook, Twitter. We don't control, in many cases, our own metrics. Like we can tell you how many people are downloading something, but, but we get that, we, that data comes from Apple. They're telling us that. You know, Facebook is telling us that. We can't independent, there's nothing independently tracking these things. And we're all worried about these very entities I just mentioned banning us, right? And at the same time, we're relying on them for our metrics. Can you see there might be, there could be a potential problem with that relationship, mm -hmm. okay? Here's how that ties into to Netflix. They self-report all of their own stats. So we think they're doing well, but that's because they're telling us that. And we're getting into an era now. A lot's going to change later this year when Disney Plus launches. Because what's going to happen shortly thereafter in early 2020 is they're going to take their ESPN app and now they have full control of Hulu. So they're going to have live television through Hulu or regular television through Hulu. Their entire catalog and ESPN, the biggest name in sports still. And what's eventually going to happen by this time next year is they'll bundle them all together and you'll pay 25 bucks for all three of those, which will offer you pretty much most things most Americans watch to some extent or another. And you're going to see more of this. CBS is going down this road now with its all access. And here's how this impacts Netflix. They're going to get to a point where largely the only reason you are going to access them is their original yes. programming. Yep. Because the, 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 the rest of their catalog will be beyond mediocre. Because those are things other studios, other companies produced, and they're going to want to take them back and make money off of them. I mean, if you guys want to know why we left Salem Radio, I'll tell you. We left Salem Radio because the decision was made at CRTV before the, this was months before the Blaze merger, but the CRTV is like, why are we sharing you with, with another entity when you're our primary property? Is, you know, you, you're our, we have a contract directly with you. Why are we letting anybody else profit off of you when we have that initial arrangement with you? And that's why you're going to watch that's why all the Netflix Marvel shows are gone after this last season of all the other studios are making the same decision. Those original programs are an exorbitant amount of money. The, the budgets for those, the star power for those, um, maintaining that. We're going to find out how good their subscription numbers really are. Because the expense of, of producing all of that original programming is astronomical. They're basically now a movie studio. They're a full-fledged television studio now. And they don't sell ads. So we're going to find out what their subscription numbers are. I mean, if I came it's, to you in, 20, in 2005, Todd, and said Blockbuster Video will be gone in five years, what would you have said to me? Yeah, I know. No, not in a million yeah, years. Right. Not right. in a million years. 
And it's a good analogy. By five years later, they were. What were you going to say, Aaron? Well, no, it's a good thing that they got into original programming when they did. If they were trying to jump into original programming right now and they didn't, you know, right. hit on the first couple of programs, yes. they would be in a whole And they didn't, lot have, they didn't have access to the initial catalogs they yes. did that, that helped them there's, build a subscriber base. In other words, there's yep. never there's never going to be another Netflix the way we've known it, where you go in and you binge watch Parks and Recreation and The Office and, um, you know, yeah. Lost. And, I, I mean, agree. You can't do there's the never going to be another Rush either. There's never going to be another Levin and there's never going to be yep. another Glenn, meaning that advertisers have so squeezed us out of that business model yep. that, that, you know, the, the, whatever Rush's, you know, deal is after they won't, there's never going to be that kind of value again because of the business environment changes. Um, and similar for a Netflix, you're right. You couldn't do it now with all of these companies starting their own entities, you wouldn't get access to their catalog, which means you'd have to produce everything on your own. The initial starter capital you would need for that would be in, it would be at least a billion dollars yep. for that, for, to be, for that to be taken seriously. Yeah. See, I, when you Netflix, Netflix still seems new to me. That <laughs> really, if that's when you say that, get off my lawn. How, how old is Netflix? How come the Steve, do you know why the VCR just says to me, 12 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 12 o'clock. <laughs> how old is Netflix? Oh, it's uh, like it's 10 over years a old. It's over a decade, yeah. well over a decade old. It's almost, it seems, it's closer to 20 or two, two decades. Wow. Than, See, it still seems too new to me. To I mean, I, rem- I remember not having, when Amy and I decided that owning, going through blockbuster.com had a better catalog and didn't go to Netflix. So we did until Blockbuster went completely out of business and that's how we ended I, up over I there. I still go to movie stores. Really? Yeah. I can't what, remember the last time I was at a video in, store. What is a movie store, Todd? Yeah, I do. Where do you, oh my gosh. Let's, let's go to this place called Family Video, yeah. yeah. Wow, those are still open? Yeah. Hey, are you like millions of Americans that still go to Family Video? No, because millions of Americans still don't. <laughs> but millions of Americans are right now living with chronic pain. <laughs> That's why he gets paid the big bucks, Hey, folks. look under the bus, Todd. Hey, it's you. Um, we just ran you over again. Uh, if you're one of the millions of Americans living with chronic p- pain from inflammation, uh, you can win this battle uh, with a fantastic product so many of us here at The Blaze have had success with called Relief Factor. F- uh, four key ingredients that are natural that will help your body win the battle against inflammation. That's what's causing chronic pain, all right? Uh, and it's 100% drug-free, but it's also created by physicians. And now you can try it uh, for three weeks for just a dollar a day, 20 bucks. Give it a shot. If you want to try it, what do you got to lose? Except maybe, finally, hopefully, the pain. I'm a user of this product. I'll, I swear by it, man. I And well, man, I absolutely love this stuff. All right? ReliefFactor.com. That's all you need to know. That's the website. ReliefFactor.com. Again, disclaimer, I've said this before. This doesn't heal injuries. All right? We're not, we're not selling a Benny Hinn prayer cloth. All right? If you have an injury, go to a doctor. Okay? But if you have inflammation... That's what's causing the chronic pain. This can help you with that inflammation. Relieffactor.com. Aaron. This next one I fully expect to be rather controversial or not. Jacob Arthur says, while Dr. Pepper may be a better drink, ginger ale is more refreshing. Sell. Oh, good grief. I think I would buy that. No. I mean, Dr. Pepper is good. Have you ever stopped off or uh, stepped down from shingling in 90 degree weather and drank an entire uh, can, cold can of Dr. Pepper in like one gulp. There's well, nothing, you lost me at shingling. Th- there's nothing. There's nothing more refreshing. <laughs> now, in the interest of, now in the interest, I, I hire people to do things like that for me. In the See in- my soft hands. <laughs> in the interest of full disclosure, though, the uh, road trip, the twenty-five or thirty-five, twenty-five hundred mile road trip that I took this weekend, my drink of choice was 
was ginger ale, just because when you're on the road, it's a little easier on the stomach. Yeah. But I'm a big, but see, here's why I have got a different view of this. It also could be where I grew up. Verner's ginger ale. And right now, everybody from the state of Michigan is like, represent Verner's ginger ale is the bomb. And for, for early in our marriage, when we, before we had come to peace with, we were just going to live in Iowa and we really wanted to move back to Michigan, my wife would surprise me by having it shipped to our apartment, <laughs> like for Father's Day and birthday gifts. Verner's ginger ale is the bomb.com. It is awesome. It, it's awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I'm, it's one of the things, it's one of the, the last things I miss about growing up in Michigan. And so if you grew up with Verner's ginger ale, you might have a bit of a different take on this as much as, now I'll say this about Dr. Pepper. A few years ago, my son Noah went uh, with our church group to the local uh, Adventureland amusement park here. The first year he was old enough to go. And he had never really tried, doc- not that we like deny him Dr. Pepper, he just showed no interest in trying it. Like when we get to the movies, he never asked about it. He comes home, and I'll never forget this. He was probably eight, nine, ten years old. She saw his little boy voice. Like, hey, buddy, how'd it go at Adventureland? What, you know, what was the highlight? He goes, Daddy, I tried Dr. Pepper. That was life-changing. That, those were his exact words. <laughs> All right, that, those were his exact words is Dr. Pepper was life-changing. So there, there is an endorsement for it in our home. I will say simply, I'd rather drink vinegar than ginger ale. Wow, you've never had Verner's. That's, that's right now. Everybody who listens yeah. to our show, who has lived in Michigan or lives there now, is sending me a "What's up?" I promise you. If I went to my inbox, there's at least one right now. Dude, way to represent for Verner's ginger ale. It's the real deal. Um, oh, they have it down in Texas. Ron says, "Do yeah. they?" Wow. The voice in the ear. See, normal. One of the show rules is Ron cannot be acknowledged. But if he's going to talk about Verner's ginger ale. By all means, Ron actually can exist. Yes. Thank you, Ron. We appreciate that. Go ahead. Uh, the next one is from Tim, who says the Republican Party will fall apart after Roe is overturned. You know what? I, I don't often affirmatively quote Dick Morris, but he, he once gave an observation that I thought has some merit. That if you overturn Roe versus Wade, about 40% of the Republican Party vote would go away overnight. And Republicans would struggle to get the 51%, 52% in a good year of the Catholic vote they can get now, Todd. We, we've talked about this yes, on our we show. Have. I mean, in a good year, Republicans can get 55% of the Catholic vote in a really good year. Trump had one of those in 2016. Take Roe v. Wade off the table. How difficult would it be to get a majority of the Catholic vote for Republicans, do you think? Oh, in the near term, very hard. So I, 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 I don't know that I think it would. What's the exact wording of the post? A party will fall apart after Roe is overturned. I, I do think it would diminish it for sure, particularly because as the party gets more populist economically, meaning it becomes more of a middle class rural party, the corporate giveaways and stuff like that, you know, you're just not turned on by the rest of the catalog the Republican Yet. Party has to offer. I think I think we have to trust though that if Roe got overturned, hopefully it's it. There is a. It's spirit-driven in a way that, yes, the Republican Party would turn to ash, but it would still exist and something would rise out of that ash. Because what the Democrat Party would become in mass would be a gluttonous joke, ultimately unwieldy joke as well. Yeah, I mean, all those corporations on K Street that the Republican Party is a front for aren't just going to say, hey, we'll go without a platform guy, thanks. You know, But would it be severely diminished? I, I, I do think there's something to that. 
I mean, and it goes to what Gaston Mooney said from, uh, we had him on our round table a couple of weeks ago when the Friday you were gone. And he were, when he was the conservative, uh, the, the, he was the head of the committee that was the liaison between the conservative movement and Senate Republicans when he worked for Jim DeMint on Capitol Hill. And they used to call that, he, they used to call those major pro-life groups a big baby because that's all they were into it was, you know, they weren't really trying to end the scourge. They were really trying to just make money off of it. And enrich themselves at the table of power for the GOP at the same time. Let's do one more. All right, uh, final one. This is Jim Stocker who says, given Justice Thomas's recent comments on abortion and eugenics, the Democrats, especially the 2020 presidential candidates, will start calling for his resignation or removal from the bench and use it as a campaign talking point. Yeah, I could, I could buy that. Sure. I, I will sell because they can't risk bringing attention yep. to this. The message is so strong. This should be, I, I mean, it, it goes to what you said about, forget, not because you promote Donald Trump, but because what any president who actually cares about life should be saying, you should be taking this and running with it. If you're Donald Trump or any politician who actually cares about life, they need to, the Democrats need to present this didn't happen at all because the message is too powerful a black man talking about the power of eugenics as it applies to race uh gender um it's it, it is it is the, the the next great conversation to be had and the momentum is suddenly on our side as we've been discussing in recent weeks a step on the gas on that thing the democrats cannot out him like that i i hope i would like to believe you're right but I think this is one of the norms that they have violated. I think you're going to watch, in fact, in the very first debate, I'll bet you at least one of them. And once one of them does, all of them will say he should go for what he claimed. Yeah, I can that see won't, it. Oh, that won't shock me because they're that. Yeah, they're that. I mean, it's this is from hell's mouth. Yeah, literally. Yeah, literally. Yeah. And they dig it. Yep. Hey, we mentioned this again. Let me mention it one more time. Uh the now the FBI's former head of cyber crimes has been warning is is out there warning you about what we've been warning you about here on our show and it's called home title fraud uh, and it's because homeowners uh, a lot of our home titles and mortgages are kept in databases that are online and can be hacked um, if you've got equity in your home that's what they're really after because that's that's the value in your home uh, here's how they get to us they simply forge their name onto our title use our home as collateral uh, the equity in the home to borrow cash against it then they stick us with the payments there's more and more sob stories people losing their homes facing foreclosure eviction notices uh, because it's too late when they find out about it and no bank or identity theft program can protect you but for pennies a day home title lock can they'll put a virtual barrier around your home's title they will mobilize to action if they find out any uh, evidence of any tampering whatsoever if you want to find out if your home's title has already been tampered with you can do so for free right now if you go to hometitlelock.com it's called a title scan and then there'll be a report with this after the scan telling you where you stand that's normally a hundred dollar value but that title scan and report is free today uh, if you go to hometitlelock.com protect the most valuable investment most americans will ever have at hometitlelock.com final thoughts gentlemen aaron uh it's good to be back alive and uh, amplified I, I'm jealous because I used to be the man who would have thought that that would have been a great trip, but I've man, that the thought of Aaron doing what he just did exhausts me. Yeah, I got older just listening to it, actually. Uh, we will be sticking around to tape a little overtime segment for our subscribers exclusively here at The Blaze. For the rest of you, we'll see you tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.